Welcome to the 226th episode of the Reading and Writing Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Rutherford. Stay tuned for my interview with Jesse Kellerman, author of the novels Sunstroke, The Genius, and Potboiler. Kellerman's latest novel, Crime Scene, was written in collaboration with his father, Jonathan Kellerman. Stay tuned for my interview with Jesse Kellerman. Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Jesse Kellerman. Jesse is the author of five solo novels that include The Genius, Sunstroke, and Potboiler. Jesse has also collaborated with his father, Jonathan Kellerman, on three novels, The Golem of Hollywood, The Golem of Paris, and Crime Scene, which has just been published. Jesse, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Great. Well, can you read a couple of pages of your new novel, Crime Scene? I would be glad to. Uh, We'll start with chapter one. Don't make assumptions. Every now and then, I remind myself of that. Every now and then, the universe does the reminding for me. When I meet new people, they're usually dead. A young white male lies on his back in the parking lot of a Berkeley frat house. According to the license in his wallet, his name is Seth Lindley Powell. He is four months past his 18th birthday. The license gives a San Jose address. It's a fair bet his parents are at that address right now, asleep. Nobody has notified them yet. I haven't had a chance. Seth Powell has clean gray eyes and a soft brown sh- and soft brown hair. His palms are open to the, to the 3 a.m. sky. He wears a misshapen brown polo shirt over khakis. One shoelace drifts loose. Except for a few shallow abrasions on his left cheek, his face is smooth and content with a bluish tinge. His skull, ribcage, neck, arms, and legs are intact. There's little visible blood. Down at the end of the driveway, beyond the yellow tape, a throng of students snap photos of Seth and selfies. Some of them hug and weep. Others just look on, curious. Crushed red solo cups pile high on the sidewalks. A banner strung from the eaves declares the theme, Saturday Night Fever. Boys slur their statements to uniformed officers. Girls in platforms fidget with the buttons of loud polyester shirts fish from the five-buck bins on Telegraph Avenue. Nobody knows what happened, but everybody has a story. From a third-floor window come the lazy flickers of a disco ball nobody has thought to still. Standing over Seth Powell's body, I make an assumption. I wonder how I'm going to explain to his parents that their son has died of alcohol poisoning during his first week of school. I'm wrong. The following afternoon, a technician comes into the squad room, calls me away from my computer and down to the morgue, so I can see firsthand a body cavity sloshing with busted organs, lower vertebrae punched out of alignment, a pelvis smashed to gravel, consistent with a four-story fall, small of the back taking the full brunt of impact. There's a reason we do autopsies. Toxicology confirms what Seth's friends insisted on, what I hesitated to believe. He wasn't a drinker. He was that guy, caught up in righteous notions of purity. He wrote songs, they said. He took arty black-and-white photos with a camera that used actual film. Rush Week depressed him. Someone heard he went up to the roof to look at the stars. How depressed? At some point, you need to make a decision. Boxes need checking. It says a lot about our desire for simplicity that there are an infinite number of ways to die, but only five manners of death. Homicide, suicide, natural, accidental, undetermined. 
My job begins with the dead, but continues with the living. The living have telephones with redial. They have regret and insomnia and chest pain and bouts of uncontrollable weeping. They ask, why? 99 times out of 100, why isn't a real question. It's an expression of loss. Even if I had the answer, I'm not sure anyone could stomach it. I do the next best thing. The old switcheroo. They ask for why. I give them how. Knowing that it's impossible to live without assumptions, I try to choose mine carefully. I think about the loose shoelace. I rule Seth Powell's death an accident. There you go. Great. Well, if someone listening hasn't heard about Crime Scene yet, how would you describe your new novel? So um, Crime Scene is uh, a collaboration between my dad and uh, me. Uh, it's what we hope will become the first of a brand new series, uh, inaugurating a brand new character whose voice you just heard. And that is Alameda County Deputy Coroner Clay Edison. Um, and um, the book uh, is a chance gives us a chance to explore the world of uh, deputy coroners and coroners investigators. Um, and they're basically the people who come when someone dies in an, uh, in an unusual or suspicious way. Uh, they come, they take custody of the body and custody of the possessions of the decedent. Um, they transfer the body to the morgue, um, and they're the ones who are responsible for issuing the death certificate with the manner of death, uh, one of those five manners that I mentioned. Um, they are also, another responsibility that they have is to identify the person in, in question, the decedent, and to notify their next of kin. So um, they really have um, two jobs. Uh, one is an investigative uh, role, and the other is this almost a, the, a therapeutic role, the, the job to console the living. Um, and it's that combination of skills, um, the police work and the psychological slash therapeutic stuff, I think that appealed to uh, us so deeply because those are our, that's sort of our wheelhouse. That's what we write about. We write about crime. We, we write about uh, human psycho, psychology and psychopathology. Um, and um, by setting the book where we did in East Bay in California, which is where I live, um, we're uh, hoping to give a, to, to sort of shine a spotlight on this area, which is um, not an area that's gotten a lot of uh, exposure, especially in crime novels. You have some books about mostly about San Francisco, but the East Bay itself is a really fascinating place for a lot of reasons, uh, and we wanted to write about that. So it's, uh, it's a crime novel, it's a psychological suspense novel, and it's a chance to uh, write about things that are near and dear to us. Great. Well, since it is a collaboration, do you remember the original idea for Crime Scene? Is it something that you thought of yourself? Is it something that you, you worked on um, with your father in terms of the original idea for the novel? Well, so my dad and I um, did collaborate twice before this novel, um, and that series, the Golem series, um, we had a ton of fun working on it. Um, those books are, we're very proud of them. They're also really, really exhausting to write because they involve a tremendous amount of research and um, they involve sort of a depth of knowledge about certain topics that I, that I think, um, you know, can, 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 can be very, very um, exhausting to us as writers. And we wanted to write something, and I would say a little bit more familiar to us, more within, um, you know, that falls within our typical range of, uh, of, of expression as writers. Um, so it was my dad's idea to write about a deputy coroner because he felt that they had a, an under 
uh, underappreciative role in the investigation of of of, of death and homicide, um, and they play a really really important human role. Um, and it was my idea, I think, to to set it up here and and to and to focus the area the uh, series on this geographical area. And then the story came about in the way that all our collaborative stories have come about, which is. We sit down together and we just start tossing ideas back and forth, and he'll say something and I'll build on it, and I'll say something and he'll build on it. We both keep large files of random scraps of ideas, whether it's you know the premise for a story or a character or a line of dialogue. I think um, we've both accumulated large files of those over, over the years, and so we, whenever we're feeling... Um, you know, when we were feeling ready to to start outlining, we dig back through that and say, "Oh yeah, that was that was something that was really interesting." Let's let's see if that fits together with any of the other pieces in the file. Um, and it evolves organically, both uh, during the outlining and the writing process. And you just mentioned research for your earlier two novels that you collaborated with yes. your father. Um, yes. Did you end up doing a lot of research for crime scene, given that the protagonist is a deputy coroner? Yeah, so, so yes, it, I did do a fair amount of research. It's just research of a different kind. The research for the Golem novels was a lot of reading um, and a lot of historical research. The research for the, for, for, for the crime scene series um, has come in the form of fly-on-the-wall on the, uh, fly stuff. Um, so I've spent a fair amount of time now hanging out with local law enforcement, particularly the, the real-life Alameda County coroners, uh, who are just wonderful people and have really been tolerant of my presence. I just come and plop down in their squad room, basically, and sit and take notes and record them and interview them and bother them and send them stupid questions, and they've been exceedingly patient, um, as well as other friends um, who are sort of involved in local law enforcement. Uh, this particular book, the first book in the series, um, we're going to try and move the the, uh, the, the focus around all around the East Bay. This one's centered in Berkeley, where I live. Um, and I have a good friend who's a Berkeley police officer, so I spent time with him. I've met some other cops through him. I've met a bunch of Oakland people. Um, it's a very unique law enforcement environment here. They face a lot of really interesting challenges, I think, that make this area different. Um, and by and large, they are, at least the people I've met, are like really thoughtful and really intelligent people. Uh, and they've been really open with me and they haven't attempted in any way to shape or steer what I observe and write about, which is really a blessing for, for a novelist. So have any of those uh, law enforcement officers read crime scene, the, the, the finished novel yet? Well, so when I got the galleys, I went, I went over to the coroner's office and sort of handed them out like, like Santa Claus. Um, so they've gotten them, and then some of, them, some, Berkeley, some of my Berkeley cop friends have gotten them. Um, and everybody's reading it and taking notes. And they got the galleys, the, the advanced reading copies, so they were going through and finding mistakes and, and calling me up. <laughs> I was like <laughs> rushing to get, to get everything in before publication. I think I got most of it. Uh, there's definitely going to be departures from reality because it's, it's, it's fiction and it's sure. compressed. It, um, but, uh, you know, we try to be respectful of, uh, the, you know, the, I guess the process, um, if not the, the, the speed with which it happens, if it were, we were really writing at the speed, um, that, 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 uh, real life investigations proceed at the books would take an exceedingly long time and they would be stretched over years and years because particularly complex cases are never solved overnight. That's, that's, that's the stuff of fiction. Sure. So you talked a little bit about the collaboration process as regards to the plot. Um, I wondered if yeah. you could go in a little bit uh, of detail about the collaboration process with you and your father 
Jonathan Kellerman, when you're actually writing the manuscript, do you uh, write uh, chapters? Do you trade the manuscript back and forth? What's what's the process for you? So it's evolved over time. Um, I'm, I'm writing at the at, at this moment, I'm writing the sequel to Crime Scene. So this is already our fourth collaboration. I, and I can see how the, the process has, has evolved over time. With, with the first collaboration, which was The Golem of Hollywood, that was my father's book. It's a book that he started. He wrote 40 or 50 pages of. He wrote a loose outline for it. He wasn't sure if he wanted to proceed any further with it. Um, and then I read what he had written. I was really taken with it. So I persuaded him to keep going. And then eventually he said, well, why don't we do this together? So there I was using something, uh, you know, he had already started, it was a springboard, and, and we, we went back and forth in large chunks. Um, I would say now um, it's, it's evolved uh, more into a, well, we do all the outlining collaboratively, um, and then I will sort of like write a big chunk and send it to him, maybe like 50 to 100 pages, and then we'll go over it together. Um, and then I'll, you know, or one of us will continue another 50 or 100 pages. They tend to be large chunks of text. Um, but the real, I would say the real work comes um, not in the first draft, but in the second through 10th drafts when we're basically pinging the manuscript back and forth between us and each person gets a pass at it. So eventually what you end up with is this sort of um, smooth, unified voice. And that's that's something we're very proud of because... I, to my, to, to in 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 my opinion anyway, none of the books read like two writers having a tug of war. They read like a a single person who is not quite him and not quite me. With the first book, um, like I said, because it was really his to start, um, I was trying when I was writing my sections to consciously channel my dad. He has a very different style, um, but and but it's a recognizable style. It's a style that I can mimic and copy. Um, I think over the course of our collaboration, I've become more comfortable with sort of asserting my voice a little bit. Great. Well, you grew up with parents who are both New York Times bestselling mystery writers. Did you know from a young age that you also wanted to write fiction? Well, I always wrote habitually uh, from a very, very young age, even before my parents were published. Um, I think it was just something that... um, uh, it scratched a certain itch for me. Um, I don't, there was no one moment where I said, this is what I want to do for a living. I don't think you can really make that decision because there's as much, uh, good fortune and luck involved as there is willpower, um, and talent. So I did it and did it and did it and did it for years, starting at the age of three or four, uh, when I was dictating stories to my dad. And, you know, 20 years, after 20 years of this, someone started paying me to do it. <laughs> so it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a, uh, a decision or an overnight thing. It just gradually morphed into this thing that someone was actually willing to pay me to do. Um, I remember, uh, you know, if there's any one moment, it, it, it came when I decided to, to try a novel. Um, because I had never written a novel. Um, I wrote my first novel my sophomore year of college. I was 19 or 20. And at that point, I think I wanted to test whether I had the writerly stamina to actually churn out 350, 400 pages. Because that, to me, was the, was, was sort of the um, the standard. Like, if I can actually write from page one to page 400 and, and write the end, you know, maybe I have the uh, maybe I have the guts to, uh, to to carry this out as a career. But um, and I didn't. I finished the book. Um, but it was many, many years after that until somebody was willing to pay me. I wrote three or four terrible, terrible novels in the interim. 
Um, so I think like a lot of career writers, um, I, I consider this something that I love to do, and I consider myself a blessing that other people find it interesting enough that it is also my job. So that's great. So what advice do you have for aspiring writers who may be listening and one day want to have their own novels or short stories published? Well, I would say that apropos of what I just said, the most important thing is you have to enjoy writing and enjoy the process. Um, you have to you have to come to the keyboard with a sense of eagerness and a sense of um, anticipation, because without that, it, it, you know, if it's joyless, um, you really have nothing. There there are very few guarantees in life, and there are even fewer in publishing. So, I think the, the number one most important thing is to is to take pleasure in the process of writing, whether you are able to make a living at it or not. That is a separate question. Um, but, you know, but if you, if you have notions of writing professionally, ask yourself, how much do I love to do this? Do I love to do it enough that I will continue doing it even if I'm not being paid, even if I'm being rejected, even if I'm being viciously criticized? Because all of those things are part of a writer's life, even a working writer's life. Um, so enjoyment of process is number one. Um, number two, I would say, is um, appreciation for 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 the uh, for the work part of, of of writing as a job. You have to sit down regularly, if preferably every day, and write. Um, it's not enough to think about writing or want to write. You have to actually write. Spend time doing it. Um, and the way that I, you know, the way that I make sure that that happens for me is I have set hours uh, and I have a page quota which is something I started doing long before I was a professional writer. I started in college when I wrote that novel, sophomore year, assigning myself two and a half pages a day. And I could not go to sleep. I did not have permission to go to sleep until I had finished those two and a half pages. If you write two and a half pages a day, you have a, you'll have a book in under a year. Um, so the discipline aspect of it is, 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 is the second most important thing. I would say the third most important thing um, is a uh, patience. <laughs> patience is, is 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 certainly a virtue here, um, and uh, really uh, to be a student of the craft, um, to read voluminously, um, to read uh, hungrily and copiously, and to not read passively, but to read with an eye uh, toward understanding how is this piece of writing working, or or how is it not working? What are the lessons I can draw from it? Um, what are the strengths? What are the weaknesses? What are, you really have to want to take apart the mechanism of a book uh, in the way that a an electronics fanatic wants to take apart a television or a computer. You have to enjoy that d- dissection and reassembly pro- uh, process. Um, you know, I, I think those are the things I would say beyond the obvious, you know, stuff that you're going to get online about you know how to look for an agent, you know, how to write a query letter. That's that's not something I feel like. Um, you know, bears repeating for me because anybody can tell you that. Sure. So you mentioned reading. So I'm curious, what books, fiction or nonfiction, have you read recently that made an impression on you and that you would recommend? So um, I read. I read quite copiously. Um, I read a tremendous amount of nonfiction, um, particularly when I'm in a research phase for a book. Um, so gosh, let's see, what can I recommend? I am right now, I'm in the middle of a, uh, so let's see, fiction. I'm in fiction. I'm going through a John Banville phase. 
Um, I really, really, uh, I, I haven't, I hadn't read much John Banville uh, up until a few months ago, but I've become um, totally captivated by by his prose. Um, so I'm reading uh, Mephisto right now, which is just a really spectacular and dark, and you know the prose is just great. Um, I, I admire in fiction, you know, I'm a stylist first and foremost, really more than plot. Um, it's style that that interests me. It's it's the ability to use language in a new and interesting way that 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 gets me going. Um, as far as nonfiction goes, let's see. I just finished a really fascinating book um, uh, called How We Lived, which is by a guy named Irving Howe, um, and it's about the Lower East Side where my family comes from. It's um, sort of a compendium of writings about the Lower East Side and photographs of the Lower East Side, um, and I'm reading that as part as part of a long, ongoing research project for a book that I have been working on for over six years while I write my cri- other crime novels on the side. And what's what's that book? Since you mentioned it, <laughs> um, well, it's 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 going to be if I ever get around to to writing it, if I ever get finished with the research, um, a sort of tr- a retelling of a true life story from the Kellerman family history. Um, I can't reveal too much, but sure. but in 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 essence, I, I I had a a really 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 crazy great aunt who married a really really crazy guy, and had some really really crazy adventures. Um, and just to, without saying too much, I can tell you that um, I spent six years trying to gather all these uh, documents from the federal government on them because they left a long federal paper trail. Um, they they have they have an FBI file um, of which I have obtained a small portion. The total FBI file on them uh, runs to seven thousand pages. So that should tell you what kind of people they were. Wow. So yeah. <laughs> so where can people find you online if they're interested in learning more about you and your books? So I do have a website which is just jessekellerman.com. There's not much there now because it recently crashed and I had to rebuild it from scratch. Um, honestly, the best way to get in touch with me is through my Facebook page, and I think that is jesse, you know, facebook.com/slash jessekellermanauthor. Um, and people can write to me through there, and I'm 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 pretty uh, I'm pretty available. I will probably get back to you within a couple of days or so. Great. Well, again, we've been speaking with Jesse Kellerman, the author of many crime and suspense novels. His latest novel, Crime Scene, written in collaboration with his father, Jonathan Kellerman, is in bookstores now. So go grab a copy or buy the ebook. And Jesse, thanks for doing this interview. Thanks, Jeff. I appreciate it. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.